You are listening to the Enormo Cast. So here's something. Enormacast sponsor Black Diamond and the Access Fund have teamed up to launch the Rock Project, dedicated to sharing responsible outdoor climbing knowledge. You see that? That spells rock. Somebody was up all night thinking of that. What's more, they're bringing the show on the road with events coming up in Salt Lake City, April 10th through the 12th, and in New York City, May 1st through the 3rd. These events include presentations, clinics, Craig Care, and of course, a huge party. Black Diamond and the Access Fund want to foster responsible care for our climbing resources and community. So check out accessfund.org or blackdiamondequipment.com for details on the events, more info, and a little bit of beta about how to continue with style at the crags. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You playing here? We're doing the. Uh... Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And don't forget, you can go to bonfirecoffee.com and entry Normo at checkout to get a discount on great coffee. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host, Chris Calouse. It is Monday, April 6th, about 9 o'clock Mountain Standard Time here in Colorado. And this is episode 78 of the Enorma Cast. On today's show, Canadian superstar, Sonny Trotter. Yeah, I finally got Sonny to sit down. I've actually known Sonny for quite a while. We've talked about it for quite a while. And um, I ran across Sonny in Spain. And uh, we sat down in my buddy's van. Lakeside, which I got a couple interviews out Lakeside because I had to get away from the goddamn bell, as you may recall from the Ethan Pringle episode. And actually, I think I have one more interview with the bell in it. So the bell is not done tolling for the, it'll be back, the great bell of Cornadea. As a side note, I wish Bernardo luck in his attempt to get the bell shut down there in Cornadea. Good luck, Bernardo, if you're listening. Before we get to the uh, interview with Sonny, as usual, there's some news. I am going to be at the Rock Project event, the tour, the Rock Project tour, the Black Diamond Access Fund Rock Project, R-O-C-K, Responsible Outdoor Climbing Knowledge. I'm going to be at the event in Salt Lake City this weekend. So by the time many of you hear this, it will have already happened. And in fact, I think there's only a few tickets left for that thing. You can find the tickets uh, by Googling Rock Project Tour. Uh, There's links on the uh, Salt Lake City Climber Alliance there's uh, links all over the place at the Access Fund website, at Black Diamond's website. Check that out. A party, some clinics, and I'm just going to be hanging around. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just going to be up there and hopefully getting uh, a couple cool interviews with some athletes up there. So um, if you do get this ahead of time, if you get this the next couple of days, go grab a ticket if you're living in Salt Lake and uh, come check that out. The other news is that in three weeks... It's Five Point Film Festival time here in Carbondale, Colorado. And uh, as usual, I'm involved with that. Going to be emceeing, well, one night and one afternoon. Uh, that's going to be coming up on the 23rd to the 26th of April here in Carbondale, Colorado. A lovely time to be in Carbondale, Colorado. It's almost always a lovely time to be here in Carbondale, Colorado. So if you're living close by and are passing through, You should come check this out. It's very peppered with climbing stuff this year, um, including a screening of Metanoia, the uh, Jeff Lowe film, as well as Jeremy Collins' film, Drawn, is going to be shown, and a bunch of other stuff, um, some stuff from Renan Ozturk about climbing in Myanmar, um, a bunch of other stuff. It's actually not all set in stone yet, but really looking forward to that. But here's the big deal for us climbers, okay? The big deal is that on Sunday... April 26th is Yosemite Sunday. It's going to be a 2 o'clock in the afternoon program on Sunday, and I'm hosting, and we're going to have special guest Lynn Hill. You've probably heard of Lynn Hill. 
she's coming by, and uh, this other guy named Tommy Caldwell is actually going to make an appearance at this Yosemite Sunday event. And this is, in fact, in a lot of ways, Tommy's first big public appearance since the Dawn Wall. And I believe he's bringing his hands and feet, the very hands and feet he used to climb El Cap, the hands and the feet, just using the hands and the feet. Anyhow, this is going to be an amazing program. There is other special guests sort of pending that we're waiting on. But hey, Lynn Hill, Tommy Caldwell, is that not enough? Are you not entertained by that? All right, come check that out. It's going to be awesome, okay? And, uh, oh, I almost forgot. There's also a live Enormacast, 10 a.m. Friday, the 24th, Bonfire Coffee, downtown Carbondale. I'll talk more about that on the next show. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on that weekend. It's going to be a super fun weekend. Come check it out. Fivepointfilm.org has all the information. I believe the standalone ticket for Yosemite Sunday is only $10. I mean, come on, 10 bucks, please. But, of course, if you're going to be in town, you might as well come for the whole weekend. All right, let's talk about this interview coming up with Sonny Trotter, Mr. Trotter. As I like to call him, he doesn't get it because that's a deep... 1970s TV reference. Anyway, Sonny Trotter is one of the most humble and friendly and outgoing professional climbers that you're ever going to meet. He is a real pleasure to hang out with, a real pleasure to sit down and talk to. little story about Sonny is that uh, a couple episodes ago, episode 76 maybe, Ethan uh, Pringle's episode, we talked about Ethan having sort of second thoughts about his climbing career and kind of wondering what's going on and worried about sending his project in Spain. Well, turns out that on his last day there, Ethan did send his project, and there was a bunch of people there, including Sonny and myself, and uh, everybody just kind of dropped everything and celebrated with Ethan because we all were kind of privy to the uh, struggles that he had been going through to get that thing done, and it was quite an emotional moment and a lot of support from a lot of people including later toasting him at the bar and a big table of Spanish climbers toasting him. And uh, it was all good feelings and good vibe at the cliff. And uh, Sonny certainly joined in to supporting Ethan. But here's the thing. On that same day, Sonny actually managed to do a very hard route. I believe it was 14B. Don't quote me on that. Spanish grades kind of, I don't know how they all translate up in those upper echelons. But anyway, 514, hard route, did it second try. Kind of a big deal, not maybe, you know, internet blow up kind of big deal, but still a big deal. And yet uh, nobody really even noticed because he didn't make a big deal out of it. Partially, I assume, because that's just the way he is. But I would also like to think that he didn't want to take any sort of spotlight away from Ethan's accomplishment that day. Anyway, gotten a lot of uh, requests for this one. I'm happy to send some love up north to uh, America's Hat there in Canada a place very near and dear to my heart, at least the Calgary-Canmore area. Left my mark on that place a few years ago, as some of you know. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. An interview with the Canadian Superman, Sonny Trotter. So, um, where are we? I'm sitting um, next to, uh, what do they call this thing? Sirana Pato or something like that? Yeah, what does that mean? Is it pond or Yeah, lake? I don't know. It's it's the uh, the reservoir below Sirana. We're sitting in my friend's van in it on a lovely day. Um, I'm sitting here with Sonny Trotter. How's it going, Sonny? I'm doing fantastic. Nice. How are you? Good, good. Uh, we're still in Spain, so this is like... Um, becoming sort of the Spain Chronicles, actually, at this point. Although I keep running into uh, Norte Americanos and interviewing them. Um, but the problem is is that, the truth be told, is that a, a lot of the Spanish climbers don't speak very good English, is what I've run into. So um, so, so here we are. Yeah, so here we are with the Canadian, <laughs> um, who, you know, speaks a form of English as well. Anyway, I, I've been trying to do this with you for a long time. We've been kind of sort of dancing around this thing like well over years. Years. Yeah, yeah yeah well so over a year or two yeah so it's kind of a nice coincidence that we've turned up in spain together one of the most beautiful places ever 
Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, you have a really nice voice, by the way. <laughs> like, seriously, I had no idea. This is a... Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in awe. Oh, right really? Now. Yeah. You've like... <laughs> Thanks, man. You're really nice. Yeah. Nice. All right, well... <laughs> You know, maybe we'll take a walk around the lake after this. <laughs> we'll Would you? Keep talking. You should just come over and, and, and talk to my little boy because uh, he loves that. You know that deep, radio, oh, really? soothing radio voice. Can, if you have any yeah. problems, give me yeah, a call. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, you're here with your family. I am. Yeah. 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 You my can... wife and, uh, and a little boy named Tatum. How old's Tatum? He's uh, thirteen and a half months. Right. Yeah. That's pretty young, man, for yeah. world travel. Yeah, last year when he was uh, even earlier than five, he was four and a half months. We took him to Sicily, mm-hmm. France, and Switzerland. Awesome. Yeah, and he's just like bundles up and travels. Okay, where are you guys yeah, at with we just, that? We just, we just, yeah, we just tuck him in, and and he comes along for the ride. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's he's a pretty mellow kid, um, for the most part. You know, as long as we just give him lots and lots of love, he he just kind of just comes with us and doesn't put up too much of a fight that's cool yeah he um he was a little bit young i think for the sicily trip right you know four and a half months was was kind of um i think i think if we had waited to the six month mark because he really turned a page at six months it was like you know at four months he was still sort of that you know still a little bit needy and then by six months needy yeah (laughs) freaking needy little (laughs) five month year old And then at six months, he was kind of on his own program, you know, mm-hmm. just, as long as we, uh, you know, did the necessities, it right. was, it was uh, much easier to roll with. And you guys were kind of like on this big family trip, wasn't it? Like a bunch of... Like, yeah, like yeah. Tommy and, and Fitz and... Didn't Wharton go to Wharton, yeah. And yeah, and Aaron, Aaron, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was amazing, actually. Yeah, there was a... Yeah, so was we, all, we all shared one house. Right. Was there any point <laughs> in that trip where he like stood back and was just like... I can't believe this is what I'm doing right now. I think it was actually the first day. Oh, yeah. We all kind of got there, right. right? And one baby set off the other baby, and, and it was like a marble hallway like with, with marble rooms, and, sure. and, the, and the voices are just echoing off every room in the house. You could probably hear us all the way to the crag, like right. the beach just going off. And I remember apologizing to, to them, to the other parents, you know, like to Tommy and Josh right. and, and the girls, and... and Josh is like, you know what? This is the one house that you don't have to apologize. Right. We're all going to, you know, take on that role. And, and so it was a really comforting place right. to be, actually. It right. was like, you know, highly recommended if you're going to do traveling to, to try and meet up with other right. families because then, they're in it. Like, yeah, they understand. Because you know. they're, I mean, their kids are a little older, yeah, or no? No, well, Hera's, um, well, within four weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then Fitz is, uh, he's about... Nine months old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, he was. So he was the. the he wheel. was. He was leading the charge oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Fitz was. Fitz was the man, and then you know he had the the two little ones. That's so cool. Tailing behind. Like, can you yeah. imagine? Like, if these guys have sort of like this cohort that they grew up together. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of super cool. Yeah, it yeah. seems pretty super cool for us. I mean, yeah. who knows what it'll be like for them when they look back at it right. and be like, ah, you know, I, I was, I'd rather we went to, I don't know. Yeah. You know, who knows, right? The, the world's a big place. Yeah. So uh, I know they're, 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 they're training up fits, of course, at least based on the social media that I've seen, you know, sure seems like it. Yeah. training them up. So we'll see what happens. They'll probably become a teenager and like turn on them and hate climbing and maybe for yeah, who knows? Uh, maybe for a few months right yeah <laughs> and then be like actually yeah climbing you're right it's pretty cool yeah i suppose <laughs> all right so let's talk about you you're sort of the one guy when we talk about canadian climbing like your name comes up i get emails all the time like you gotta have sonny trotter on so l- let me talk to you about uh your origins in climbing but i'm gonna go at it a little bit different tact like so when you were growing up and i don't know when you got into climbing but could you tell me about maybe thinking um, about a couple, three people in your life who were inspirations for you, not just climbing, but also climbing, maybe a little bit of both or anything like that. What, what would you say as far as growing up up there, you know, whether it was family, whether it was, you know, a, a, a role model that you knew in climbing or something like that? Uh, three people. Well, or two, or two, you know, a couple. Uh, okay, so I think my first, the first person that's always been a huge influence on me is my dad. Okay. Um, he's, um, he's a very hardworking guy. Um, he's always been fit. He's always been, like, one of the healthiest people I know in terms of, 
you know, not he's not necessarily concerned about his diet, but he, you know, he eats well, he runs, he lifts weights, he he's just he's always been really active and he participates in every sport imaginable. Mm-hmm. And so when I was growing up, he got me into every sport that I wanted to play. It didn't matter what it was. He's like, "Okay, let's go do that. You want to play baseball? Let's play baseball. Basketball." It was amazing. And so that influence was was huge on me just because I learned so many different sports and I would say that he taught me and my sisters how to be a really like a good sport. Okay. You know, he, he kind of taught it because he, he would basically kick our ass at every sport we tried to play. Mm-hmm. And he said, we lost all the time. <laughs> and he sort of taught us how to be good losers. He was one of those dads that wasn't going to like <laughs> wasn't gonna take build it confidence easy. and <laughs> let you win a couple of times. No, no, he's he's like, the real world son. Yeah, tennis overhand. He's like 6'2", and he was just, you know, 100 mile an hour. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he it was uh, it was really great growing up with mm-hmm. a, with a really active father. Right. You know, where um, where did you grow up? I grew up just north of Toronto. Okay. In um, kind of a flatlands. I actually grew up on a farm. Okay. For the first like twelve years of my life, um, near the beach, we kind of there's a big farm, and then uh, Lake Simcoe was right there. So okay. I grew up um, in the country. Right. And so like I, farm 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 like, like hundred out, hundred out, acres like, playing. Like in the forest, building right. forts, right. Um, snow caves, like the whole deal. Like uh, I grew up uh, with two older sisters and and a cousin okay. uh, named Kirk, and then my uh, older cousin Tia. So the the five of us basically grew up together. Okay. Um, yeah, and so when we moved there, we all lived in one tiny little house, mm-hmm. like you know, like twelve hundred square foot house, two families, and then we built a second house on the property, and then the the other family, my cousins, they moved next door. And we all grew up there until uh, we were old enough to, and we moved to the suburbs okay. of Newmarket, which is about half an hour closer to Toronto. Yeah. So then that's kind of how I got into climbing because there was a gym that catered to all the schools that were in that area. It's big, huge suburbia land. And um, I was basically bored stiff as a teenager because sub- suburban landscape is just absolutely mind numbing. It's like, you know. To me, growing up on the farm and having access to dirt bikes and water skiing and playing in the in the you know playing in the water and everything all day long, and then living in the suburbs where every house looks like cookie cutter house, right. you know, I mean, I, I definitely got kind of bummed out in my you know I was like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, and I was like kind of bumming out, and um, so I started getting into more canoeing, kayaking sports that that got me out into the country more and more, and then that led me to discover rock climbing. Okay. And then there was a gym that just opened up, like, literally five minutes from my house, bike ride. That was the saving grace for high school. Like, you know, every day after school, I was just cruising down on my bike. So, to go back to your question, when I discovered rock climbing, um, I remember opening a magazine, and I was 15 at the time. And the first person that I stumbled upon that kind of really caught my eye was Chris Sharma. He was 14, and he had just climbed a, a 514A. And I had just started rock climbing. So for me, you know, climbing five eights, you know, I was looking at the wall, looking at the numbers on the wall going, oh, wow, there's a 5.11, you know, right. like, holy shit. Can I swear? Yeah. 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 yeah sometimes it happens. So no, no, this is the internet. Man. You can do whatever. So yeah. you're on Sharma. You're. Yeah. So I flip the- open this magazine and there's Chris on a, on a 5.14 and it just totally blew my mind and it, and it sort of exemplified what I liked about climbing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, it was really picturesque. It was a beautiful route that he had just done and and he was 14 years old you know how old were you 15 okay yeah. so you guys are right in there okay yeah so i'm about a year and a half older yeah yeah so um but climbing was expensive so you know a couple months go by and i you know was able to go a couple times in the summer and then for my 16th birthday my mother bought me a a three-month pass to oh the to gym. the gym okay. yeah that was my birthday present so then I started going basically every single day. Okay. You know, five, six, seven days a week, whatever I could, my, my skin could manage, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when I went, you know, I just, I just climbed every single day. I was obsessed with it. I sold my mountain bike to go to Kentucky for a road trip, you know, with a couple of older climbers. And, um, yeah. So, so Chris, I mean, from day one was pretty like, you know, I don't know really know how to describe it, but he was like pretty iconic for me. It was right. like, like, holy you know, you, you climb 514, like, you know, as being a teenager, like it blew my mind. It was sure. so cool. And so I kind of wanted to see how hard I could climb, you know, mm-hmm. being a teenager, I was just pouring myself into it and was just like, I just want to see how strong I could get or how fit I could get. And, and, and really the magazines were 
were huge for me, huge influence, because I just wanted to be where those people were. Sure. I was stuck in suburbia land, you know, with winter nine months a year. And there's Chris in California climbing these, like, gorgeous overhangs over the ocean, you know, right. in Santa Cruz. And I was like, man, I'm born. I was born in the wrong part of the world. <laughs> That's how I felt, you know. And so the magazines are what kept me motivated. Right. Like, I, you know, I, I had stacks and stacks of magazines. I, I collected magazines from people who were throwing them away from the 80s and stuff. I just wanted, I just soaked it up. And there was no internet at the time. And so that was the only way I could get my information, cover to cover. And so absorbed the climbing culture through, through, yeah, through pictures, basically, uh-huh. pictures and literature. And, um, yeah. And so I was just hooked and I, and I, I just realized that I wanted to live that life. I wanted to go to Colorado. I wanted to go to California and I wanted to do those routes that these people were doing. And so, you know, in a, in a strange way, magazines are actually hugely responsible for the way that, you know, I wanted to live my life. I don't think it's strange at all. I mean, mm-hmm. That, that's like, once I got into climbing and I was a suburban kid, but I sort of dreamed of doing it one day, but I didn't have any sort of outlet to do it. But once mm-hmm. I start, I mean, the magazines, it's kind of weird because you mentioned, oh, there was no internet, which seems impossible <laughs> now, but, uh, that was it. Right. The magazines were it. Like, that's how you, yeah. you, you, you page through them. If, if some older guy or somebody had like a bunch of back issues, you could yeah. just sit there all day and like yeah. pouring through back issues and watching styles grow older back to like skinny, you know, guys with lycra on all the way back yeah. to, to painter pants and everything else. So it's pretty wild. Eh? Like I remember like, um, reading an older issue, like hot flashes, you mm-hmm. know, and someone would have on at a 12 B right. or 12. And it would make the magazine, You'd make the mag yeah. just like, Oh, that's, so awesome. <laughs> it's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. It's somebody so on at a 12 B yeah, and it, they actually wrote about it. No, there was like, <laughs> it's amazing. The whole thing too, there was the, uh, I can't remember which magazine called it what, but there was like the base camp and the climbing magazine would list, all the new routes that had been done because right, yeah, because the crags were just being developed right yeah it would yeah. just be a list of all the new routes that had been done like right. in el dorado or in smith you know, or, yeah, yeah it's kind of hard to conceive of but like oh yeah they, they actually could manage to fit them all in this like little <laughs> column in the magazine so uh, well that's cool so yeah so then i mean you're, you're going to the gyms and and um you know, doing some road trips, you said, like, yeah. how is it that you are finally like breaking out into these places and following, um, following this guy, this guy around in a way. And then you probably eventually met him, right? Chris. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I met him actually cause I was, I was doing the competitions at the time. Okay. And I first met him in Michigan in Ann Arbor at, at a national event. And, uh, and yeah, it was pretty, I was like, holy, there's, there he is. You know, it's pretty cool. Um, so I think I was 16 at the time because mm-hmm. I'd only been climbing maybe nine months or something. Right. And it was like in the spring. And um, But um, yeah, it was pretty wild. He obviously took the event. He he won the nationals that, you know, and so it was just neat seeing a guy, you know, I don't think that I, I don't think I qualified for for qualifiers. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I just went for the experience really. Sure. And just cause I was just so obsessed with climbing at that point. Um, but it was just fun to be a spectator and just watch these like incredible people, Steve Hong, you know, um, people that you read about in the magazines that I was reading about right. showed up. They were there. You sure. Know? Katie Brown, Beth Rodden, Bobby Benzman. It was super cool for me. It was like all my, it's like a little kid collecting his playing cards, sure. you know, and then like, meeting them in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it was felt like, you right. know, like hanging out with Bobby Orr in the dressing room. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. You know, it was like, it was, it was trippy. Totally. Um, and it kind of just reinforced that this world did exist and that it was, a, it was like, it was, it was the real thing. And it was like, yeah, like people are really climbing all over North America, uh-huh. following the weather, um, you know, living the dream. And, and I was like, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. It's pretty simple. So how'd you go about making it happen? I mean, cause uh, you've made it happen. Like you are living your, that life. I, I am for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, in a strange way, I always have been, but you know, it's just, it, it's been a slow road. It's been a hard road for sure, because it's, it was a very uncertain road. There was, there's never one way of doing it. You know, when I, my sisters, uh, followed the scholar, you know, path. And, and, you know, if you take this course and this course and this course and you go to this school, you become this and you can make this much money. Right. Right. And so I was like, you know, me, I'm living in my truck down by the river. Sure. And I'm like, if I do this, this, and this, am I going to amount to anything? Probably not. 
does it matter? Not really, because this is how I want to live my life. And even to this day, I mean, yeah, I get to travel and climb and everything, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just how I want it. It's just, it's, it's what I spend all my money on just traveling and climbing. It's, it's not, there's not like a lot of extra kicking right. around, you know, it's just, it's just, this is how I want to live my life on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to climb and meet cool people, um, challenge myself. Uh, I'm just inspired by the places climbing brings you. And, and so how did I, how did I do it? I mean, I just think I just did it every day. You know, I, I took lots and lots of odd jobs. I was a carpenter. Mm-hmm. I worked at pizza shop. I was, you know, I, when I moved to Squamish, I was 20 years old and I was like flipping burgers at the, at the local restaurant burger shop, you know, started with fries, started with fries, moved up to burgers. Nice. Yeah. Well done. And then I moved they over obviously to saw some potential. Well, they did, you know, and then, <laughs> and then I could pick and choose and I went to sandwich board, nice. right? Which is a lot cleaner and less responsibility. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so your family, uh, your dad's supportive of all these sports. So is, is he on board? You know, uh, in terms of encouraging you or does part of him want you to no, I think my, have a backup plan? I think my, I think the, the one thing that my mom and dad were always the most encouraging people ever. Right. You know, they're just like pretty much just do what makes you happy. Like right. it was pretty dope to grow up in that household. Um, I, I don't think, I mean, I, they kind of, they kind of represent the, the kind of parenting I want to do where I was like, I want to do this. And they're like, wicked, let's do it. Go okay. for it. You know? And then I was like, I want to rock climbing. They were a little bit apprehensive because of the danger aspect that climbing. Oh. Okay. You know, they were a little bit apprehensive. Um, and I think in the very, very beginning, I think my mom thought it was like a phase. She's like, oh, yeah, well, last year he was into karate. This, You know, <laughs> next year he'll be into... <laughs> he yeah. was reading karate magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year he'll be into whatever, skateboard. Sure. You know, sure. and um, and then I think once they realized that it was kind of more than that, they, uh, they got on board for right. sure. Um, but then there was definitely some tension in my early 20s when most of my friends had gone off to college and I was still living in the back of my pickup truck, right? <laughs> working odd jobs and being a carpenter and, um, saving money basically to, to go on my next trip. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it was just, you know, I, I only worked to go climbing. Right. I never worked for any other reason, you know? Um, so I think there was definitely a little bit of tension there because, you know, at that point they weren't, they weren't really, paying for me anymore. I would, I would come back and crash at their house and then make a little money and, you know, and then take off again. Sure. And, um, so yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't uh, an easy road by any stretch, right. but it was, it was how I wanted to live, you know? So in that sense, it was an easy decision because mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, I never really, I never really felt torn. I was like, Oh, should I do this? Should I do that? I was like, I'm going to go rock climbing mm-hmm. whether, whether people help me or not. Right. You know? Um, and I think to looking back now, I think that's kind of a number, uh, been a helpful reason I got support was because people saw that whether, you know, they're like, wow, this kid's like, this kid's kind of going for it and he's going to do it. Whether, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, um, I find in my life, I want to help people who inspire me. Sure. You know, if they're like, if they've got the spirit and they're like willing to do whatever, to do it, whatever it is they want to do. I'm like, man, I want to, I want to help this, these guys out, you know? So are you talking about like, uh, like sponsorships and things yeah, like companies think, wanting to like, yeah, get on, like, like hitch their wagon to you? Cause not you necess- seem to be, they just, you know, I think they were just, um, yeah, I think we're like, my first sponsor was five ten, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I won a bunch of comps and, and they were just like, yeah, I mean, this, this kid is super stoked. Let's hook him up with some shoes. And right. that's kind of how that all started. You're you like, know? yes, free shoes, free shoes. I'm, I'm for, not- for life. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back though, it's been 20 years. I've been sponsored by five ten for nineteen years. Yeah, so yeah. that's a lot of shoes. It's a lot of shoes. It's been a, it's been very helpful. <laughs> well, not gonna lie. L- l- you, we had a conversation uh, at the cliff yesterday, and you were talking a little bit about. Actually, you had this this kind of conceit, this idea of like asking people what their you know if climbing was going to get taken away from them for some reason, what route would right. you want to do like no matter what, right before that happened, whether or not you were going to be shot into space or something, I don't know. But, <laughs> and I asked, and I just turned it back on you and said, what, what route would it be? But you said, well, hell, I did the Cobra crack and that was, that was it 
for a long, long time was like, this is the thing I want to do. So let me ask you about a transition there. Mm-hmm. If there was one, you know, you're talking about a comp climber, which is something I actually didn't really know about you. And, uh, you know, primarily sport climber going to Kentucky, I assume, to the red and that kind of thing. Right. I've always known you in terms of uh, of track climbing and bigger stuff and, you know, a mix of doing hard sport climbing and but a lot of track climbing in squamish and all over the all over the world so it was that just something that happened was it something you did consciously was it i mean if you moved to squamish you must have been ready to go in terms of placing gear yeah i just i just saw squamish as being like the 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 quintessential climbers if you're canadian and you love rock climbing Mm -hmm. you move to squamish because you can climb year round there's enough rock to last a lifetime in any genre. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, my, I guess my story, it, it actually stemmed from an injury. Um, I, I was on a kind of a sport climbing binge for a little while and I devoted a, quite a few years to just hard sport climbing and I wanted to see how, how hard I could climb. Right. And, um, yeah, so I started, um, you know, putting in a lot of energy into, into training and, fingerboarding and, and things like that i kind of took it pretty you know pretty heavy for a while and um managed to do some hard routes but then what happened was on one of the harder routes i'd ever done i injured a finger pretty badly um you know i i remember it sounded like duct tape like when you tear like a one inch piece of like right in half and it went all the way to my elbow you know and and that hurt for a for quite a long time and so i was like okay well you know maybe i'll just go learn how to crack climb so i went to yosemite with a girlfriend because it's easy no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) well hand jams seemed pretty inviting at the time you know i was like let's go do some 510 hand hand crafts okay you know yeah and um and i just wanted to kind of just go have some adventure Mm -hmm. and um i think what i realized was that what i'd fallen in love with in climbing when i was a teenager was this kind of fun adventurous aspect where you travel to cool places you go up you know, you go to these crags with fun people and you go camping and you climb all weekend and then you go back to your normal life and then you go back out and you're always trying to discover new places. And, but then once I started sport climbing and I just started chasing, you know, my my potential in terms of difficulty, then I started losing that sense of adventure and I started just getting bored with with the monotony of like, okay, you know, train harder, climb this route, train harder, climb this route claim harder you know like right it was just sort of like you know i almost felt at that point that i was capable of climbing harder than i had and i just didn't care anymore because mm-hmm. it was it got it got a lost interest in that process and then um i went to yosemite and i started doing all these adventure routes and i was like wow this is the feeling that i that i fell in love with initially with climbing mm-hmm. and so i kind of felt like i fell in love with climbing all over again right. to another level and so you know, then I was just on a, on a, you know, I basically took out a line of credit. This was in my early twenties now. And, and I basically took out a line of credit, uh, not to buy a vehicle, but to, to go on the road for a year. And I, I was using my line of credit to pay off my payments on my line of credit. Like okay. I was just, I was going to debt faster than you made your head spin. Like I, by the time I got to Squamish, I was a lot of money in debt because I didn't work. I didn't earn a penny. I, you know, I just basically was using the financial system to, to fund, you know, the best year of my life. Right. Okay. And, um, and I was like, fuck it. I mean, people go to school, they spend tens of thousands of dollars and then they come out of school and they don't have a job in the field that they wanted to do anyway. Right. right. I, I looked at that and I was like, why don't I spend tens of thousands of dollars, have the best, you know, year to two years of my life climbing everything I want to do and, 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 and say I've done it. And then figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. I mean, right. I was only 23 at the time, right? Yeah. So it, did, it wasn't that scary for me. I mean, it, I think it would be for a lot of people, but for some reason, I just didn't really care, you know? Um, and so that's what I did. And, and then I ended up in Squamish flipping burgers to pay off my debt. Right. <laughs> and But it was perfect because I could climb every day and, and work at the same time. The cool thing about living in a town like that is... You can have a job and a life and friends and the pub and rock climbing is five minutes away. Okay. You're not, you're not driving an hour t- to go climbing. You're, you're living it every single day, you know? And so that was like, well, this is how I wanted to live my life. This is perfect. I found my 
I found my home. That's how I ended up in Squamish. And then, um, and I think that whole adventurous aspect, going back to that, led me to to the harder gear routes that I've done because I was, you know, I, you know, when you're, I was climbing 14 C's and D's sport route at the time, but I was only trad climbing maybe 11 C or D, mm-hmm. you know, and and kind of being still scared and going because I never really hung on gear before, tested gear. So when I did my first really hard route, I think it was like a 12 D. And I hung a lot on the gear. It kind of opened my eyes to, wait a minute, why can't I climb way harder than this? Like my, you know, my physical potential is just momental. Wasn't there yet. And so when I discovered sort of the more adventurous side of climbing, that's when I started delving into pushing my mental barriers. And, and um, you know, it, it, it worked out. Um, I did a few climbs just because I wanted to do them. And the next thing I know, you know, the, the photo ends up on the cover of Rock and Ice. And then you know, that helps me get, you know, another sponsor and that's just the way it worked. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, a lot of people ask me about, you know, do you feel pressure? You know? And I was like, no, I mean, these are the routes I wanted to do anyway, you right. know? And that's what I mean by like when, when you, people want to help you when you show the initiative okay. in the first place, right? you know, like I was going to do these routes, whether I got help or not. So then I did these routes and then people like, Hey, like, you know, like, I think that's pretty cool what you mm-hmm. just did. You know, you did it in a different way. You looked at it a little bit differently and, and I respect that. And do you want some, you want a free jacket? It'll keep you warm at the, right. <laughs> the crag, you know? And, and it, uh, it slowly snowballed from there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and still at that time, I mean, there wasn't, wasn't like people were making money as professional climbers. Right. I mean, I remember the first meeting I ever went to, um, at Black Diamond, uh, years and years ago, and the, you know, the, the uh, what do you call sports marketing, right? Whatever they yeah. call themselves, director. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he he kind of looked at me and he said, he said, you know what? Like he said, like it's it. This doesn't, you know, a lot of kids are coming to me and asking me for this and that because of Lynn Hill and Chris Sharma. He's like, but but quite frankly, it, it's not really going to happen. There's you know, there's not enough money in the sport. Um, you know, like. I respect your ambition and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, this whole, like, living the dream thing is, is, is not really feasible. I mean, Lynn Hills managed to do it, and there was a couple of others at the time. Right. Um, so that was kind of my first, you know, reality of trying to get, like, um, financial assistance right. with climbing. Right. You know, I was like, hey, look, I really want to do this trip down to California or down to Spain or whatever, and I, and I need a little bit of extra help. I've managed to save up this much money, but... I need a little extra, you know, and it was kind of like, whoa, okay. So people weren't really doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess it's just been a snowball effect slowly, but mm-hmm. surely the climbing sport has grown and, mm-hmm. and, and I've learned how to, um, you know, I've, I've learned ways of, of presenting a, a, a project, uh, in order to, to get the funds to, to do the climbs you want to do, Sure, you know? And so... Yeah, I think it all starts with the passion first, and then you figure out a way to make it happen. Right. Sorry, what was the what was the original question? There wasn't one. Don't okay. worry. That was good. <laughs> there, um, how long have you been climbing now? Uh, so I'm 35. This summer will be 20 years. Okay, 20 yeah. year, 20 year anniversary. Nin- 19 and a half right now. Nice. Yeah. So looking back on that, you know, yeah. the question actually did start with something. I had mentioned the cover crack. You mentioned it the other day. You oh, did right. uh, the first ascent. Mm-hmm. First free ascent of it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, it's a it's a crack uh, one pitch crack up in in Squamish fourteen. Yeah, something. B-ish. Let's you, go with that. You, you, you deign to rate it. Um, well, I think they they put they're calling it fourteen B now in the okay. book. Yeah, um, so five fourteen. The truth is that the the way that Dee Dee and I were trying it, mm-hmm. um, you know, we climbed it a certain way, and it's never been repeated that way. Uh, people are now going out left okay. and it actually makes the route a better route because you have to get every single finger lock with the opposite hand than we were doing initially when, you know, when you first start trying a project, right. that's just the way the, the cookie crumbles, right? You, you just figure out a way you think that works and you just start going for it. Um, and later when people started trying to repeat it, um, they figured out other alternatives. And so it's actually a much, I went back years ago and just to, just to try the new sequence, right. which, and um, it's a much more enjoyable route than right. it used to be. Um, so I think it's easier now than when we did it, um, but it's only because of the sequencing has mm-hmm. changed, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a spectacular like, route. Like uh, Didier yeah. basically, like, 
blew himself up on it, right? Like, didn't he blow his knee out and like? Yeah, it's hard. The, the the knee thing is a bit of a mystery. Yeah, you know whether it comes from. He was doing a lot of barefoot hiking oh, at the time, right. and I don't know if it's maybe just walking too much barefoot. Right. Um, he, I think, he, I think he says in a video that it, he thinks it was, uh, he thinks it was um, a sign for him to, right, to, right, to, right. To, to stop climbing. Yeah, he stopped climbing. and yeah. became like a monk or something. Essentially, he joined a Christian commune in Switzerland or some. He's a simple farmer now. Pretty much. That's yeah, what yeah. I heard. So, yeah. Yeah. Our paths crossed in the past as well with a route in the creek with that learning to fly route. Oh, right. Yeah, right. So, Great route. Yeah. yeah so that yeah. Was, I actually put the anchor on that. Thing. Did you? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. then it, he did route. it. You did it. Like somebody's grandma did it. Like somebody's little brother did it. A <laughs> <laughs> whole troop of Girl Scouts did it. Totally. And then I did it. <laughs> Props, I finally dude. did do it. Fist actually, count. like yeah. seven or eight years That's later. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Such a good route. <laughs> Um, That's well, what I wanted to ask you, um, not so specifically about the Cobra crack, but, um, what else could you point to, you know, maybe in the, not in the last 20 years, but the last 10 years or 15, since you got out on your own is sort of like, uh, either seminal trips where you learn something or, you know, other climbs maybe that stick out as, is if, if you were going to sit down and write your memoirs, they would, you know, there'd be a chapter on this trip or chapter on this moment where I, where I climbed this thing or is there anything that jumps out of your head? Well, it's, uh, it's a tough question to ask on the spot. You know, okay. it's, it's not something I've pondered, but, um, I'd say actually if there was a chapter in my own climbing, it would probably be climbing with Tommy Caldwell. Okay. You know, like that guy has opened my eyes to, to what the human potential is, you know, in terms of optimism, trying hard, you, um, the tactics that he that he's learned over the years, all the shortcuts, the tricks that he's that he knows, um, you know, it's 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 cool. It's like it's like climbing with a with a brand new like how to how to climb book, uh-huh. right? Except for he's like right there instructing you. You know, right. like when you get to rope up with him, it's like a total. It's like chapter one, right? Okay, like learning lesson every single day, and it's not just um, big wall tactics and tricks and and things like that it's it's also um sort of a mental approach to climbing i mean he's like so optimistic he's he's probably the most optimistic human being i've ever met you know when when i look up and i'm like oh man that looks a little sketchy over there he's like oh it'll be fine and that's saying a lot because you seem to be quite optimistic <laughs> like you I, I've, I've never like hung out with you where you haven't like just been super positive like going all the time i mean do you think of that of yourself that way uh i i do and, and I, I think it's because i've i've been told that well also so, i mean you, you so said it earlier times. the energy that you put out is what helps people want to help you you know so fair enough too, too, fair too enough. optimist but anyway I right, interrupted, right. so no no it's no problem at all yeah. I, I appreciate the comment um and the compliment but he he's it's on another level of um of <laughs> And not just optimism, not just optimism and, and like, and, and psych, but, but just belief that it's all going to be, it's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's like, it's a level of confidence that, that he's developed over the years in the mountains that, you know, I grew up in the flatlands. Like when, when I was 16 years old and riding my bike around suburbia, you know, he was like climbing the diamond when he was how, how old was seven like, or something or? yeah i can't remember <laughs> yeah. something in that wheelhouse yeah yeah so i mean the the amount of experience and and um knowledge that he has in the mountains and, and how to read them and and he knows when to be truly frightened and and actually because of that he's almost i've never seen him frightened or, or intimidated by the mountains and so I'd say he he would he'd be an entire chapter in my book. Sure, would be the the days I got to go climbing with right. Tommy and and I learned something every single day. What are some yeah. of the things you guys did together? Uh, well, the first thing we did was uh, we came to Sierra. It was my first climbing trip with Tommy okay. when uh, I think it was like two thousand, the winter of two thousand two thousand one, right on the cusp there. And um, I just met Tommy that November, and uh, I nearly. Well, I didn't nearly kill him, but I'd never really learned how to use an ATC before because I was a gym rat. Uh-huh. And uh, and I get to Colorado, and and my buddy's like, "Hey, we're gonna go. You're gonna you're gonna belay Tommy today on this route. I'm gonna photograph it." And I was like, "Okay." So we went up to to his route Vogue up in the Front Range, and he had just put up this brand new 14B or C route, 
um, way ahead of its time. It's only had like a handful of ascents to this day. So we get up there and Tommy's sludging through like waist deep snow and we're huffing and puffing to keep up. We have like, you know, almost nothing with us. It, he, he showed me like what a true mountain athlete was like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I came from the flatlands again, you know, not really knowing. I was just kind of cragging at the time and to, for him to, I mean, he was blasted up this trail and, and broke trail the whole way for us. You know, we were just like heaving to keep, to keep up with him. So that was like, again, it was like, holy crap. Okay. This is what, this is what it means to be Tommy Caldwell, you know, and he had this heavy bag. He carried everything and we get up there and he gives me the ATC and I never really used one before, but I kind of pretended I did because I didn't want to sound like a total newbie. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, oh, sure. no problem. Yeah. Sure, the ABC, I got it. <laughs> got, I got it. it. Totally. The ABCs <laughs> of climbing. <laughs> On belay. And he casts off and, and starts, you know, so I'm kind of figuring it out as I'm as we're going, right? I've, Where's the lever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. And Good so stuff. he gets up to the head wall and Nick, the photographer, is like, you know, this is just when Tommy had that. I don't know if you remember that photo of him in Indian Creek, and he had just done this oh, long the big whipper, yeah, the ropes, the, the yeah, ropes sort of on, uh, coiled below puzzle factory, I believe, yeah. And so he, um, you know, there was this latest thing where all the sponsors wanted photos of him taking these giant whippers, <laughs> and so he, they're like, you know, he's, Nick's like, oh yeah, just skip those clips and take this huge whipper off this last hard move, and and I'm down there freaking out because up to this point he was kind of just dogging on draws, and I was like, so I'm down there <laughs> with the ATC, and I'm and thinking, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Tom McCall. I won't be able to handle the force of this gigantic fall, and right. you know I'm sweating bullets and. Luckily, it worked out. I ended up just kind of wrapping the rope around my hand and jumped like a grigri, and you know it all worked out. There was enough rope in the system; it wasn't a big deal. But man, I was just, I was a nervous wreck. So that was my first day climbing with Tommy. First time I ever met him, you know. And uh, next thing I know, I'm in I'm in Sierra with him that winter, mm-hmm. and the four of us piled into a little Honda Civic, and you know we we all brought our four tens, four ropes, a bunch of quick draws, and just went touring around. France and Spain right, for two right. months. It was, yeah, it was probably to this day. It was still one of the best trips I've ever been on. You know, just four good friends got along the entire time, um, and all getting to know each other a little bit through climbing and 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 seeing these new areas. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of these areas were still pretty new at the time. You know, right. we went to a few crags that just had just been starting to be developed, and today there's. 15 times as many routes. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool for me now to come back uh, 15 years later right. with my family and, and, and see it kind of like, kind of see it differently, see it for the first time. A yeah. Bit, it, you know, we spoke about this yesterday too. Like in that era and I'm older than you are, but, but similar, I was kind of at the start of it. You sort of at the end of it. I mean, France was, that was the place for sport climbing that they were the progenitors of sport climbing. And, in Spain was just this kind of rumbling, this place that, that sort of existed. And now it's the Mecca. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the places in France have been forgotten to a certain extent, like Bukes. And, although Seuss is still worldwide famous. But. Yeah, I, I, think the, I think a big part of it as well is that the potential in, in southern France has kind of been tapped out. Up to a certain extent. Whereas yeah. here, it's just getting going. I mean, I mean there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's endless. Yeah, and we'll see the first, you know, 15... D's and nine, 16s and all that, it's all going to happen around here right. because these, there's just too much rock. And too much and it's really good. It's like, really good. And, and to say that it's yeah. really good is it, not 100% everywhere, but the thing, I mean, Siran is seen as this like place where there are these really hard uh, climbs because the rock, I mean, the, some of the holds here that you grab and stand on, they just wouldn't have lasted anywhere else. They just wouldn't be there anymore. Like they'd have snapped off. Yeah, the little drive. the little popcorn kernels yeah, and whatever. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's you know, phenomenal. they've been they've been on these routes for twenty years, and people have been just hammering them, and they're still there. You know, like, it's actually amazing. I was climbing a route yesterday where I almost expected every hold I grabbed to break. Totally, and yeah, the, it just the one didn't. that you did with yeah. with me. Uh, no, the uh, the eight A uh, to the left. Oh right, yeah. There was it was just really exactly, fragile yeah. looking, and it all looks like little potato chips yeah. that like in rifle you they would have snapped off you know yeah. while you were bolting for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and totally. It's it's phenomenal rock, but it, but that's what I mean. Yeah. All of a sudden, you can get small enough holds on this technical overhang right. climbing to like because it's not like to, it's that to easy to find a, a climb that is five 
15C or, I mean. For sure not. And, yeah. and, it, and it's kind of the same way with, with crack climbing. It's not yeah. easy to find good 514 crack climbs. Yeah, there's know? only, I mean, you can count them pretty Probably. easily in the world almost. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so they're very, very special. You yeah. know, and, and when you find a climb like that, kind of going back to your original question about, you know, what would be your the top of your bucket list, you know, um, when I first rappelled down the Cobra crack, it was, that was number one on my bucket list. Cause I knew recognized right away, especially from all the traveling and the magazines and stuff that I'd absorbed over the years, that this was a really special route that, that this only comes along once every, you know, maybe a couple of, maybe once a decade, it seems like there's like a route that's that, um, you know, unique and, 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 and um, uh, precious. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, there's, there's walls in, 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 you know, at, at Sirano where there's 25, 513s right. or 514s. And there's probably not 25, five, like 13 plus or 14 cracks in the world. Actually. Right. Right. They're just right. not, they're just not easy to find. You they're, know? they're not. And at the cutting edge of anything, I yeah. guess it's, it's, that's what they become more special because they're yeah. more rare. Right. You know, and this entire cliff, I mean, there's, there's miles of cliff land we're looking at right now and there's one fifteen B. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm sure there's more out there once yeah. they, they, they sort through it and find it, but yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty special for sure. So I have uh, kind of a couple last questions cause we're getting on here, but, um, I wanted to kind of ask you, cause you looked at, you, you, you opened the magazines and saw Sharma. He became this inspiration to you. You, you ended up meeting and climbing with, with Tommy Caldwell. He continues to be this inspiration to you. I asked you in the beginning about inspiration. So running with that theme, like, and I don't know how comfortable you are with this. And that's kind of my question is that like, not, not just Canadian climbing, but worldwide climbing, but more specifically Canadian climbing. Like you're, you are this guy who I think is on the top of these kids list of like, this is the guy, Sonny Trotter is the guy I want to be like, you know, this all around or this guy who, who represents, I think your, your country well, um, you know, cause I mean, it's been a sort of a theme of yours to like proudly be Canadian. And so what is it like for you? I mean, how do you feel about that in terms of like, you know, there's definitely kids opening up magazines or looking on the internet and seeing your videos and going like, that's the guy. That's a loaded question. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a loaded question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, man, do you want me to ask the question differently? Well, it's like, I feel like I'm. Get really on the get, spot here. Get back in front of the of the, of the microphone. Uh, it's uh, I mean, what do you want me to, like? I don't know. Like, I'm kind of speechless to be honest. Like, it's 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 really it's like truly an honor, you know. When when someone's like, "Hey, I really admire the climbing you you've done." We're gonna we're gonna back up. We're gonna do this over again. Or no, no, you just started rolling? to answer the oh, question. Oh Jesus! Man. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's really cool when when you can give back to the community, right? you know, and when, you know, I was reading the magazines and I wanted to go to these places and do these routes, you know, when I get an email from some younger kid who, who just repeated one of my routes or, you know, wants to repeat my routes, um, that's pretty, that's pretty rewarding for sure. Like it, it you know, I'm not going to lie. I think it's pretty cool feeling to get mm -hmm. because I feel like it does come back full circle a little bit. You know, you're like, wow, I'm getting old. <laughs> no it's uh it's I, I yeah I'm, I'm lucky that i got in the game when i when i did at at 15 in 1995 you know mm -hmm. like um i kind of wish i'd started earlier i mean i think everyone has that feeling they're like oh i wish i'd started just five years earlier i wish i started at 10 or right. five or you know these days it's getting like you know you, you, you almost like you're it's like a lot of sports, like you're either born into it, you know, through family, like, mm -hmm. you know, hockey players are, you know, they're playing, uh, playing rep leagues, at, you know, five, six years old, right. like they're pretty much, they're, they're decided. And so anyway, I mean, I, I, I kind of wish I started earlier as well, just because I love climbing so much. And I was like, well, yeah, another five years on top of what I've climbed, like I would love another five years and, and I'll climb, you know, as long as my body will mm -hmm. possibly let me. Um, so it, I guess going back to your question, being at this place now where I've gone from that wide-eyed teenage kid um, and going to a lot of the places I dreamt about going to, I've been to them now, and 
that's opened my eyes to more places. So it's kind of an inevitable thing that I'll just keep doing. It's it's like a there's no it's like a, there's no end really. It's just a loop that just keeps going around and round. And I'm gonna be planning trips year after year after year after year and. I'll always I'll always have new routes I want to do, whether they're hard or not. is right. It's sort of irrelevant. Um, I'm I'm attracted to harder routes because they're they tend to be quite aesthetic looking. They're they're simple. They're steeper. They're beautiful. Um, you know, but I'll always just rock climb. And um, and so it's pretty neat when when I'm in a position. I, I guess it's neat now being in a position to influence others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's truly an honor. I mean, I don't really know. That's enough. That's enough said, Matt. That's yeah, funny that I, I it's, it's funny you're it's I, almost too much. I know. <laughs> it's funny you're flabbergasted by that, dude, because that's your whole personality. And and but you know, I don't think anybody listening to this is gonna deny that that, you know, you're in that position now. Because uh you've de- you've your resume is so deep and like I said, you're sort of in, you said it, your enthusiasm is infectious and you know, there's definitely been great climbers in the history of climbing that don't inspire, you know, or, or maybe they feel like the kind of guy, like, he's so good. I'll never do that, you know, but it's cool, you know, to hear somebody talk about just being inspired and getting to meet those people. And that, that drove you a little further, a little further. And and that's what it's all about. I mean, like I said, you're, you're, you're like, you're Canada's golden boy to a certain extent. So deal with it. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't go that far. Chris, okay, but but I appreciate it. Look, um, <laughs> you're here. You're, you're you're talking about this cycle of, of trips. You've got a family now. It's a little yep. bit different. You've brought them along to Spain. Yeah. You brought them to Switzerland. Your wife climbs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that shook you up a little bit, or are you like you guys? The figured, family? Yeah. Just in terms of like, uh, are you guys figuring out this this kind of lifestyle of, of travel and everything else? You think it's sustainable? Are you looking? Looking forward to the future. Oh That's yeah, I mean, sustainable. I mean, I, I, I we're all we're just, we're just going to keep doing what we want to do. Right. You know, I mean, um, we're gonna if we're inspired to travel, we're gonna travel, and yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it. You have to plan for things. That's the that's the biggest thing I've learned. Right, is you have to plan um, in advance to make things happen. Right, because they they're not so spontaneous anymore. When you're sure. single, yeah, I mean, you're like, holy crap, you know. 24 hours from now, I could be in Buenos Aires, like, you know, but when you're with a family, you, you need to plan and, um, and, and make things, make your dreams a reality, but just in a different way. You have right. to approach it differently and, and you have to approach it more maturely, mm-hmm. you, you know, quite frankly. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's definitely attainable. There's, there's no, there's no reason we should, we should stop doing anything we're doing. Um, I don't, I don't understand, uh, like I can't imagine Tatum ever coming to a place like this and and being bummed out, you know right. that he, he's like, oh really, Yosemite again or right. Sierra? Like, you know, I mean, these are some of the most beautiful places on the planet, and we're so lucky as as, as a climbing, um, you know, as a, as a community of climbers that we get to go to these places mm-hmm. and appreciate them. I mean, they they display this like such a high level of, of beauty every single day, every evening when the when the sun hits those walls and. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just absolutely stunning. And, and that's, these are the places I want to, I want to raise my, my kid. I want to raise my family. So that's how I've always wanted to live my own life. And and that's how we'll continue to live life as a family. Um, and that's what attracted me to my wife because she, we have the same values. And so as long as, uh, I think as long as we continue to have the same values in life and we want to, there's no reason we should ever stop for sure. All right. Well, thanks, Sonny. It's been a great hour sitting down My and pleasure. talking. I appreciate you, uh, you brought your enthusiasm to this thing. And um, it's been a long time coming. Um, you actually were on a show, the the first live episode. We it's called true. a Canadian. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. That um, You got about a B plus okay. on your Canadian history, I think, on that show. <laughs> Surprise. A I friendly B plus. Yeah, friendly B plus. So, anyway, thanks a lot for sitting down. It was a real pleasure, man. Oh, it's always a pleasure sitting with you, Chris. Yeah. Great running into you here. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks for listening. I want to thank Sonny Trotter for taking time out of his vacation and away from 
his family on a rest day to uh, sit down and do that interview. Totally appreciate it. What a great guy. Look forward to hanging out with him in the future. Remember, if you want to support the Enormacast, you can uh, do it in a bunch of ways. Go to enormacast.com, click on the Help Out tab, a bunch of things you can do, including following the Facebook page. But things have gotten a little cantankerous over there. Being a little pushy, being a little more abrasive, as one review over at iTunes noted. Um, gave me five stars, but said that I had an abrasive attitude at times. Although I think they meant that as a compliment. But anyway, follow us on Facebook. And by us, I mean the Royal We. I'm also on Instagram and on Twitter sometimes. I don't do the Twitter very much, but... All right, folks, have a good spring. Hopefully I'll see you in Salt Lake City and or here in Carbondale this month. And don't forget to check your knot. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead you? Who'd have thought they'd lead you? Yeah, where we need you. Yeah, 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 we need you.